them for a number of years is, is that what you see is what you get. Uh, and what they preach is what they live. They, 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 they preach out of the experiences that God has taken them through. And uh, Mike's message this morning was phenomenal. And I, I encourage you to grab the podcast and listen, but I'm excited because Pastor Amy's preaching tonight. So can we welcome her out? Oh, come on, Jesus, can we welcome her out? Botany campus. Good. I'm borrowing my husband's giant iPad. Feels bigger than me, but it's good. I can see clearly. That's awesome. Wow, I thought it only got, you know, heat wave, had a heat wave up north, but seriously, it's hot today. Um, Our kids have joined us um, this weekend. We have three kids, Rosie, Josiah, and Zoe, and we forgot to bring their togs, but that didn't stop them getting to the beach today, and um, they've had some fun. And so, yeah, it's awesome to be here. And if you were um, here this morning, you would have heard Mike speak, and you would have heard and seen that he is a massive fan of football and uh, his beloved team, Liverpool. Uh, That love has passed on to, honestly, only him, but to all of our children. In fact, our two girls, they know that their future husbands will only be asked two questions. Do you love Jesus and do you support Liverpool? (laughs) And he's not kidding. (laughs) He's not kidding on that one. Um, No, it's awesome. And just love being here, love. um, Just that we're one church in six locations. Just love what God is doing um, in all of our campuses. And uh, I know that you will have uh, a fired up, uh, refreshed um, Pastor Stephen Beck's back with you next week. And I know they've been dearly missed um, and having a wonderful holiday. Well, I just wanna share a message with you tonight that actually I shared uh, a few years ago, uh, a message that's deeply personal to me. But at the time that I shared it, I couldn't actually uh, share the personal story Story, um, I guess it inspired this message. And it's a message where I was just desperate for God's, um, to hear God's voice, to hear His wisdom, and to really know what it means to love like He has loved me. And so um, I'm really pleased that I'll be able to share my, my story at the end. So hang in there with me. (laughs) I wanna share with you a passage of scripture um, that really, uh, every time I read it, it just does something in my heart and I'm like, I just wanna be like this woman. And uh, it's set a week before the Passover. So a week before Jesus is gonna give his life and die on a cross uh, for the salvation of all mankind. And uh, this story is actually recorded in two gospels, the gospel of Mark and the gospel of John. And I'm gonna read out of the gospel of Mark and it actually just says the story Um, is about a woman, but John's gospel actually names her as Mary of Bethany. So if you've got your Bibles or you can just follow on the screen behind me, we're gonna read Mark chapter 14, verse three to nine. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who had previously had leprosy. And while he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. And some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, let her alone. Why criticise her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be discussed and remembered. Would you pray with me this morning, this evening? (sighs) 
Probably should have had that coffee. Lord, I thank you (laughs) Uh, just for your beautiful presence in this place. I thank you for the moments that we will get to spend together in your word. And I just really pray that as it goes forth, you would truly um, give us a fresh and new revelation of what it means to love like you have loved us. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I turned 40 last year. Yes, sounds a little scary to say. I used to think that 40 was so old, (laughs) and now I'm 40, I'm like, oh my goodness me. Uh, But uh, no, it's all good. I'm gonna be 40 and fabulous, that's the the plan. Uh, So when I was a teenager, I had the great privilege of growing up in the 90s, which was really just so fun and fabulous. And we didn't know it at the time, but we were the last generation to experience an analog childhood. It's very, yeah, it's very cool. And for many years, we wandered in the darkness. We were too old to be Gen X, but we were too young to be millennials. And a few years ago, they gave us a name. I know, isn't that so kind of them? And if you were born, anyone here born between 1977 and 1985, you're gonna put all these, just a few. (laughs) Hello, hello my fellow Xennials. That's our name, Xennials. We grew up uh, in a time without the internet, without iTunes or iPhones. We would have to wait for our favourite band's um, latest CD to be, uh, latest um, album to be released on CD. My 10-year-old daughter, now, she just downloads any music she likes on our iTunes subscription. I'm like, how good is it to be you, my darling? But one of, the, um, one of my favourite Christian bands, or one of her favourite Christian artists, actually, is uh, a guy called Toby Mac. And, um, and I just giggle because Toby Mac, if you're an Xennial, you will know that he was a part of the original band called DC Talk, one of my favourite bands in the 90s. And uh, they wrote a lot of great Christian music. And, and Rosie often tells me, she goes, Mum, was there not really a lot of great Christian music in your day to listen to? And I'm like, yeah, there wasn't really. Uh, that's it, it's true. Uh, she has so much more great choice now. But they wrote a song called Love is a Verb. And it has stayed with me, um, mine, you know, just since I first heard it. Um, and the lyrics go something like this. Hey, tell me, haven't you heard? Love, love is a verb. I think it's time you learned. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you've heard. The word love, love is a verb. And it has always spoken so much to me that love is more than words. Actually, real love and extravagant love requires some action behind it. You know, I love what James says. He says, you know, don't show me your faith by what you say. Show me it by what you do. You can't know all the right words and then never do anything about it. And I love Mary's story, I really do, and I pray that it encourages you right where you're at this evening. And I believe she teaches us four things. It's a little acrostic, so you will remember, I pray. Um, So my first thought this morning, this evening, I'm really gonna need that coffee. (laughs) This evening is that that Mary teaches us that uh, extravagant love is one that is lavish. You know, to lavish means to bestow uh, in generous and extravagant quantities. And that's what Mary did. She took that beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume and it was made from the essence of nard and she poured it on Jesus' head. And in the Gospel of John, it recalls that she poured it on his feet and washed them with her hair. But this just wasn't just any imitation perfume. This was the real deal. This was a family heirloom. You know, I read that um, you know, pure nard was made from the dried leaves of a rare Himalayan plant. This would have been a perfume that would have been passed down from mum to daughter. It would have really, if ever, have been used. And yet Mary lavishes it upon her saviour. 
I love that. You know, Mary is a character that uh, we come across a few times in Scripture. You may have read in the Gospel of Luke that uh, they're throwing a, a dinner party and Mary is with her sister Martha. And Martha is busy with all the preparations and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, which slightly upset her sister. But what I've come to realise, and it seems really obvious to me, that whenever we meet Mary of Bethany, she can appear to be wasting something. You know, her sister Martha thought she was wasting uh, her time. The disciples thought she was wasting her money. Some of those at the table, they were indignant. They were like, why waste such an expensive perfume? But I love Jesus' reply to her. He says, leave her alone. In verse six, she has done a good and beautiful thing to me. You know, one of the marks I believe of as a follower of Jesus is to live a life as generous as possible. On every occasion, that's my challenge to you, is to see how you can be as generous and lavish as you can. And you know, to some people, they might look at what you might do or how you might give and they might deem it a waste. But I'm here to remind you tonight that God sees what you give. God sees how you live your life and it is never wasted when it is lavished upon Him. Maybe for some of you here, you're on our dream team and you're serving and you're involved and you're using your gifts. You know what, some might deem that a waste. Maybe there's some stay-at-home parents here or you're raising your children with God's values and they might not understand you. Maybe there's some people here in business and you are conducting your business affairs with integrity and, and maybe not getting ahead as some think that you should. You know, maybe you're an employee here and you, you know what, you stay late, you get there early and some might misunderstand you, but I'm here to tell you that if you live a life of generosity, that as you lavish the gifts that God has given you, it is never wasted. In fact, God will do something really special with it. You know, my second thought is that, is that a, a extravagant love is one that is open. O is for open. You know, the normal custom in Mary's day was for a table of Jewish men uh, to be reclining and the woman would come in and they would serve and then they would go to the back room where they would eat and discuss but not Mary, I love her. She openly, publicly comes into a room full of Jewish men and she displays her love for Jesus in a way that they totally misunderstood, but Jesus saw it. Jesus saw it. She opened herself up, friends, to ridicule and criticism. And they gave it to her with both barrels. Listen to this, Mark 14, five, they scolded her harshly, but that didn't matter to Mary because she was willing to risk her reputation. She was willing to risk what people thought of her to show how much she loved Jesus. And I love the words from a US president, Theodore Roosevelt. He wrote a speech in 1910 called The Man in the Arena. And I wanna read it to you because it's powerful. It says, it is not the critic who counts, nor the one who points out how the strong man stumbles or how the doer of deeds might have done better. The credit belongs to the man or the woman who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred with sweat and dust and blood, who strives valiantly and errs and comes short again and again, who knows the great enthusiasm, the great devotions, and spends himself in a worthy cause, who if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, that his place shall never be with the cold and timid souls who know neither victory nor defeat. So good. You know, in Jesus' day, it was the chief priests, the Pharisees, they were the ones who knew neither victory nor defeat. But chief among them was one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas. 
And from John 12, from another recount of the story, we actually learn that it was Judas who initiated the criticism against Mary. How interesting I find that Mary's act of extravagant love is set against the backdrop of Judas's betrayal. You know, Mary loved Jesus openly and publicly, but Judas betrayed Jesus secretly and in private. You know, Mary was criticised for her devotion. Judas was praised for his deceit. And it might appear that he got the better deal, but we know that not to be the truth. And I wanna encourage you to love Jesus openly, to openly, without shame, without, without uh, fear of what people may think. Would you risk your image, what you might look like, what people might think of you? You know, one of my greatest struggles and causes of anxiety um, over especially my adult years has been I have cared far too much about what people think of me. And you know, I have realised that actually uh, I needed to find a new level of freedom, needed to find who I was in Christ. And so I have gone on a season of Christian counselling in the last five years, and it has not always been easy. I wish I'd done it in my 20s and early 30s, so note to some of you. You know what? There is no shame in needing help. There is no shame in needing to get some expert uh, help in areas of your life to find freedom, because you know what? I just am so determined to live a life that is open, that doesn't mind what people think or say of me. That's, a hu- that's been a huge part of my journey. So let your love be one that is open. Extravagant love is also one that is V for voluntary. You know, love can never be demanded. It can only be given. It can only be volunteered. You know, Jesus gives us all the the option to choose to love him, to choose to wanna know him. And you know, I just, I, I think that Jesus, he would have probably known that Mary had that beautiful jar of perfume but he didn't demand it of her. Mary freely gave it. She gave what she could. And I love that, that's verse nine. So I wanna say to you, bring what you can. Bring what you can. God is not asking for what you don't have. He is asking for what you do have. What's in your hand right now? What are you dismissing? That actually, if you gave it to God, uh, he would take it and do a miracle in your life and in others. I love the story of how Jesus fed the 5,000 people that came to listen to him. And Andrew, one of Jesus' disciples in John 6, 9, he says, well, there's a young boy here and he's got five loaves and, and a couple of fish, but what good is that gonna do? What good is that gonna do to feed all this crowd? And I was thinking, you know, maybe plenty of others. There was probably plenty of others who had lunch that day, probably plenty of others who had Subway or Peter Pit, you know, and could have shared their lunch. But because they didn't, they actually missed out on on being a part of the miracle that God was about to do. You know, if God ever tells you to empty your hands, empty your pockets, I wanna say do it. Be obedient and trust God because God is in the process and in the habit of doing miracles and He wants to do a miracle in your life. And when He does, there will always be abundance. Do you know there will always be more than you could dare to hope or imagine? There will always be leftovers just like in this case, 12 baskets full. And lastly, extravagant love is one that is E for expensive. And all the ladies here tonight might like to say a giant yes and amen to that. It's expensive. (laughs) Mary paid a great price for that act of extravagant love. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, that expensive bottle, that perfume made from the essence of nard was worth more than a year's wages. Can you imagine giving a year's salary 
to God, to anyone as an act of love, that's huge. In comparison, Judas sold Jesus cheaply 30 pieces of silver, which is about the equivalent to five weeks worth of wages. My friends, when you love extravagantly, it will cost you, but it's worth it. So do it and trust God that he loves you and that he is working all things together for good and for his glory. You know, I think uh, about Mike when uh, he proposed to me and we've been married for 20 years. Oh, I know. I got married young. He got me young. But uh, I remember when he bought our wedding and engagement rings and they were worth about $1,200 at the time. And he was a full-time student and I know that it cost him. And I hope and pray he thinks it's still worth it because let's face it, everybody, I've cost him a whole lot more since then. (laughs) Yes. You know, for you, it might cost you your money. It might cost you your time. It might be your possessions. It might be job opportunities, career advancements. It might be homes, countries, family. You know what? I want to say it's worth it. It's worth counting the cost. It's worth counting the cost because in Matthew 16, 24, Jesus says, hey, if anyone wants to come and follow me and be my disciple, he needs to deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. You know, if the team would like to come, you know, Mary had no idea that the act, her act of extravagant love, the eternal consequences that it would have. She didn't realize that she was actually anointing Jesus's body ahead of time for his burial. She didn't know that, but because she counted the cost, you know what? Her example is written into scripture. I love that. I love that, and extravagant acts of love, they have great purpose attached. You know what, your giving lasts a lifetime. You know, our life exists for more than just us, and our faith has eternal consequences. You know, Mary gave what she could. She gave willingly, openly, at great cost to her, and I love that God engrafted her into the story of the good news. Listen to Mark 14, 9. I promise you that as this wonderful gospel spreads all over the world, the story of her lavish devotion to me will be mentioned in memory of her. And I'd just like to share as I close just a part of our personal journey that spans over 15 years. So from when I was 25 to now, and about almost 11 years ago, I was in labour with our eldest child, Rosie Grace. She uh, was a miracle. We had waited and hoped and prayed and believed for her for five years. And finally, she was on her way. And I had a really long labour. And what else do husbands do in long labours but write a book? And so that's what Mike did. He wrote a book, a book called The Rose Princess and the Special Gift. In fact, he's writing more books so watch out for that. They'll be his, his next one's out in a couple of months. <laughs> but the book was about a princess uh, whose father gave her three gifts. And uh, they were gifts for her. But as she went about her day, she came across people that needed those gifts more than she did. And so she gave the gifts away. And she was worried and upset that her father would be mad at her. Oh, on the contrary, he couldn't have been prouder. He couldn't have been prouder of the generosity that she showed. And little did we know that this was a prophetic picture of, how, of, of our family and uh, what God would do. 
You know, we've always been very open with our fertility journey. In fact, it was in this church that we were children's pastors without children. There were many people sitting in even this room tonight who prayed for us, who believed for us. We spoke messages about it and uh, God has continually brought us couples over this time just to share with. And uh, some of you may know, but our oldest two children are IVF babies, IVF miracles. Rosie Grace was our only embryo to survive. And Josiah James, uh, his cycle was so different. It was textbook perfect. And we were blessed to have three frozen embryos. And this is what I wanna share with you tonight because we always intended to go back and use our frozen chosen. We just thought we gotta call them a name. A frozen chosen, that's what we called them. And then something amazing happened. In 2014, I got pregnant for the first time naturally in a decade. Just before we moved to Whangarei, another God miracle, our Zoe Hope. And so there was only ever gonna be two options for us. Use our frozen chosen ourselves or donate them to a couple who couldn't have their own biological children. When I journeyed my pregnancy with Zoe, I struggled with mental wellness, with pre and postnatal depression. And uh, we just knew, we prayed, and we just knew our family of five was complete. And then we remembered the book, The Rose Princess and the Special Gift. And we just knew, we knew what God was asking us to do. He was asking us to donate. It wasn't easy. It's probably one of the hardest decisions, but I have absolutely no regrets that this is part of God's plan for us. You know, embryo donation is not something that's talked about in New Zealand. It's not very wildly known of, but it is a wonderful option for couples in our situation to give life. And so we prayed and we asked God to send us a wonderful Christian couple who couldn't have their own biological children. And He answered our prayer and there was a Facebook post. You knew social networking was gonna come into this somehow. And uh, through mutual friends, we just met this most amazing couple that couldn't have their own genetic children. And so it began a process that has taken some time and some counselling. But on Mother's Day in 2017, this beautiful couple who thought their dream of having a family would never eventuate became a reality. And I stand here two years today. Two years today, they gave birth to a precious, healthy baby girl. She is our biological daughter biological child, but she is their daughter. She's a sibling to our three children. They call her their sister cousin, and that works for them, and they remain at the utmost priority to know each other. And I can't share who they are, but I'd like to share with you a photo of all four of them at a recent catch-up. You might see the family resemblance. (laughs) She isn't yet a Liverpool supporter, but we're working on that. Her name means beautiful resurrection and she's a gift and she's a miracle. And you know what? Only God could write such a beautiful story. Only God could take our long fertility journey, bless us with three healthy children and then take that journey and use it to help someone else have a miracle. Like only God could do that. Only He could write that. And I just wanna give honour and praise to Him. You know what? Our life is not about us but it is about loving extravagantly because that's how our Father in heaven has loved us. And so I wanna encourage you tonight that you know your story's gonna look different. Maybe God's not asking you to donate your embryos as He did with us. But you know what? 
you will know, you will know what God is asking you to do, how He is asking you to love. For you, it might be giving the act of forgiveness. That is an extravagant act of love right there. Someone who has hurt you, someone who has been close to you, And by forgiving them, you will not only set yourselves free, but you will set them free too. Maybe for you, it's showing an act of kindness that you know could never be repaid, a monetary gift, believing and praying for an unbelieving spouse or children that have walked away from God. You know what? I wanna encourage you to be extravagant in your love and trust that God is working all things together for good and for His good purpose in your life. You can trust Him because I do. I totally trust God and who knows what He will do with our story. But the point of our lives, I so believe, is that we would shine with His light, that we would shine and point people to Jesus. So be extravagant in your love. Be lavish, be open, freely give and let it cost you because I stand here today with a personal story to say that it's worth it. And I just love to extend an invitation that maybe there's some of you here tonight who don't know Jesus, who don't know this God that we talk about. You know, you can know Him tonight. You're only one prayer away. And you know, I talk about Mary of Bethany's extravagant love. Well, I wanna let you know that the God who made you, who loves you, He is the ultimate example of what it means to love extravagantly. He gave His Son, Jesus. He could have bought us on sale, but no, He paid full price for us. He gave His very best, His one and only Son, Jesus, to be our Saviour. Why do we need a Saviour? Because we've all sinned. We've all messed up, fallen short of God's perfect standard, and that's what separates us from Him. But that's why there is called the good news, because Jesus came, a perfect sacrifice, willingly gave His life to pay the price, the punishment that we deserved. And you know what? He died on a cross, and He was buried for three days in a borrowed tomb. And I say borrowed because sin and death could not keep Him down. Three days later, He rose from the dead. And He loves you, and He wants to know you. And it would be just such an honour to pray with you tonight to come to know Jesus, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've walked away from God. I wanna let you know that He loves you and that He's calling you home. And you know what? You might not have all the answers, and that's okay. God can cope with your questions. But I can tell you that three things will happen when you surrender your life to Jesus. Your past will be forgiven, You will receive a new life in Jesus today and an eternal hope for your future. That is hope and purpose right there. And so here at Elam, we just love to pray a prayer. You can pray it out loud or in your heart and God will hear your prayer and and, uh, by faith, forgive your sins. So let's pray tonight. Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Saviour of this world. Tonight, I make you Jesus, the Lord of my life. I believe you died for me to forgive my sin. I believe you rose again to give me life. And I receive this new life. Please forgive me. Be my Lord and Saviour in Jesus' Name. And with every head bowed and eye closed, if you prayed that prayer, would you just do one brave thing for me tonight? We wanna help you take your next step. And on the count of three, I just love it if you pop your hand straight up and you can put it down, I'll see it. One of our team will see it. We just love to get alongside you and help you. So number one, God loves you. Number two, He's got a great plan for your life. And number three, you can lift your hand if you prayed that prayer tonight. 
Awesome. Thank you. Thank you down the back. See your hands. Oh, that's fantastic. Is there anyone else? That's awesome. Well, Father God, I just thank you. There's a party in heaven going on because people have surrendered their lives to you, Jesus. We just thank you for the extravagant love that you've poured out for each and every one of us. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us all to live a generous life, a life, Lord, that we, are, we might be misunderstood, Father God, but would we be people who lavish our love upon you, upon others in our world, that, Father God, we would see you do awesome and mighty things through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening, everyone.